You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes. Okay, I've got a good one, Scott. A movie about a dog that plays basketball. Shh, quiet, or he'll hear us. What? Who will hear? Shit, shut up. Just shut up and stay calm. What are you talking about? Shh, oh God, he's coming. No. Oh my God, what is that? Shut up. Just be calm. Just take the notes. No- notes. Oh, oh no. Ah, these notes are awful. Mmm, yum, yum, yes. Oh, yeah, it should be a Netflix series. Mmm. Uh, Notes. Notes. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. And I'm Greg Beaver. And today, we are discussing the 2022 film Barbarian. Uh, Also, uh, I'm just going to say right off the hop um, that we got lots to cover today, lots of business to discuss. Uh, Wouldn't necessarily call this one a mediocre movie, uh, and also... We normally don't do spoiler alerts on this show, but uh, I implore you, if you have not seen this film, go into it knowing as little as possible. Yeah, pause the episodes, go watch the movie, Yeah, come back. We will wait for you. We'll be waiting right here for you to come back. Yeah. Are you back now? We should. (laughs) Okay, good. You're you're good? We're good to go on? Perfect. All right. Excellent. Well, welcome. Uh, We're talking Barbarian 2022. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you good? Big news, so, big news! Brave new world, <laughs> new dawn on the podcasting horizon. Uh, Greg, can you fill us in? Well, sadly, uh, the Alberta Podcast Network has ended its operations uh, as of March thirty first. So we are homeless as far as a a, a podcast network is concerned. Uh, First of all, we want to really thank the Alberta Podcast Network for supporting us for six years. Um, you know, being able to, you know, defer the cost of things like web hosting and production equipment, recording equipment. It's meant the world to us. And, and I don't know that I have some notes would still be here if it wasn't for the Alberta Podcast Network. So, uh, you know, huge thank you to, uh, firstly, Karen Unlin. Um, the founder of the Alberta Podcast Network, and of course, um, Fonda Mithrush and Brian Byrne, uh, who did a lot of the administrative legwork and uh, and uh, going out and finding sponsors and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, sad day. It's you know, it's a you know, it's, in media, it's a pretty cutthroat world, and I, I can't say I'm surprised that like the the network eventually had a had an expiration date. Um, just because, like I said, like just how difficult uh, mm-hmm. media is out there. So, but uh, we're certainly um, proud of them for helping out local podcasts for as long as they did. Yeah, 
their hard work not only supported uh, work projects that were already in, in the works, but helped spawn uh, new endeavors and really create a, a community and a network for creators. And so, yeah, I'm, uh, also just want to express my gratitude. Agreed to all of the above. I, I don't really have anything else to add. It, you guys absolutely just hit the nail on the head there. Which means that we need to uh, find a way of continuing this uh, this little uh, movie armchair adventure. screenwriter adventure that we've got going on here, right? We got to keep the armchair upholstered. Yes, that's right. Um, so to wit, we have uh, started a Patreon. Um, and we'll hope that uh, that some of you, uh, you know, if you've got a few dollars to spare, uh, will be uh, interested in supporting us and, and helping to continue, you know, doing the same thing that, uh, that the Alberta Podcast Network did for us, just helping us defer the cost of, of hosting. We really, you know, we don't need that much to, to make this uh, podcast run in the black. It's, it's uh, just a little bit, every little tiny bit helps. And if you want to do that, just head over to patreon.com backslash. I have some notes, and uh, you can lock in your support today. But uh, that's not all. We're also uh, launching a new Discord server um, as a as a new place because Twitter is a tire fire. It sucks, and Elon Musk is a monster, much like in the movie that we're going to be reviewing in a moment. Um, just a new place for us to be able to gather and have fun discussing movies and maybe do like a little impromptu armchair screenwriting when uh, when something uh, comes out, catches your fancy, and you've got, you know, an, an, an idea for how that movie could have made be made better. You know, uh, you can join the Discord server and we'll be on there frequently talking about movies and you should come join us. Yes, please do. Um, and that is unrelated to the Patreon, though, um, perhaps some cohesion between the two platforms is in the future yeah and it's also it's also worth noting that uh we may come up with patreon exclusive content Mm -hmm. if we reach a critical mass of patrons uh because it it seems like a lot of work to add a bunch of stuff if just like two people sign Uh, the, uh, the link for the discord server will be on our social. So you can go to fa- our Facebook page or our Twitter page, or you can check out ifsmnotes.com and you'll be able to navigate your way there. Yeah. If this seems haphazard, it's because it's very much a work in progress. We're no. new to this. <laughs> Where's your sales? Don't, engine, yeah. man? <laughs> Don't let them know how the sausage is made. Well, the, the thing when is, it's made poorly. <laughs> the thing is, we're new at making sausage, and we're kind of inviting you to see it being made live. So, <laughs> fair enough. Good save. I like it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, back to back to Barbarian. Uh, this uh, this movie, uh, great. Uh, my second time watching it. How about how about you guys? Yeah, First this time. is number two for me too. Yeah, I wanted to revisit it, especially just n- wanting to know how the tension plays out when you don't know what's coming. Um, still a great movie, but definitely it's one of those ones where like the first one's going to hit the best every time. Not every time, just the first time. Yeah. Um, I think I, I had even more of a good time watching it the second time around. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oddly enough. Um, and maybe it's because like I, I, uh, the, the, the climax was sort of what I took issue with the first time I watched it. And I think mm-hmm. because I understood what was, where it was going and what was happening, it didn't 
um, land is is flat for me this time around. I don't. Well, not flat. Flat's not a great description of it. It just it was uh, awkward, jar- jarring, I mean, or awkward, that, or yeah, yeah, tonally inconsistent. Maybe um, if you want to say that. I guess Scott, what did you think of the the climax and the ending? Considering your for it being your first time. Uh, spoiler alert, I was totally spoiled on this movie before I watched it. Uh, so I did not get to do the thing that you just strongly recommended all of our listeners do, which is go into it completely unspoiled and have it wash over them. Um, however, I will say that it didn't detract from the movie for me. Knowing where the movie was going, uh, allowed me to kind of appreciate what it was doing, I feel. Um, kind of like what Greg was actually just saying. Like, um, because, because I knew where the movie was headed, I was able to like soak in its themes and the message that it was trying to deliver to me in a way that if I was being surprised by twists and turns, I don't know that I would have been able to. So oh, it was kind of, I, it was kind of a unique experience in that way, actually. Interesting. Cause I was, I was picking up what it was putting down the first time I watched it as well as being like, you know, clutching my, my partner's hand. And I will say the movie wasn't any less tense. Yeah. Like it's it's well shot and it's well done and even though I knew like the major beats that were coming it was still a very tense watch like I yeah. I, I quite yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, the first time I watched it I didn't uh know anything about it. Yeah, and I'm pretty blind too. Uh, and and I think it's funny that like it, sometimes a movie um kind of sets up your expectations for what it might turn into uh and and sort of disappoints you even though there's nothing wrong with the direction it took. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Like, yeah. like yeah. it kind of, I was, I was, I was literally what I think what I was expecting was a sort of ball movie that was just about the Tess and Keith character, uh, throughout mm-hmm. because their, their relationship was, um, fantastically constructed off the bat. And then I, I loved all the, the subtle plays with the tension between them, uh, you know, that whether, uh, Tess could could trust this random dude who was in what she, from her perspective, was just squatting in her Airbnb, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was sort of looking forward to seeing like how that relationship played out and like what twists and turns it would take. There's lots of twists and turns, but it doesn't really involve those two characters. No. Yeah. It, it it you know what I, I yes I guess is what I'm saying that whole first scene is so tense it's almost like it's its own little it's its own horror movie it's it's its own kind of tension and dread and then it's just like immediately unraveled by a very different kind of tension and dread um, I I want to yeah. give a shout out to Bill Skarsgård real quick mm-hmm. uh, who plays Keith perfectly like pitch perfectly because it's it's so great how he can go from being charming and likable uh, to suspicious in the span of just like a few lines of dialogue. Yeah, like yeah. he'll do something he that it, yeah. puts Tess at ease, and then and then he'll do something that immediately puts her guard back up. And so it's you can't really like get a full idea of what's going on with him, and because the first like act of the movie is very much shot from Tess's perspective that that makes sense. Like it translates really well uh, that that's like her perception of him. And, 
it was it was just really well done and it's it's a testament to bill skarsgård as an actor that he does so well with it and yeah how he can he can portray a character who is so desperate to come across as not creepy that it circles all the way back around. To <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so good. And you know, there's some, there's some great subtle props and shots that help either stir the pot or help you uh, feel at more at ease depending mm-hmm. on what it is. Like just for, as a, a quick example, um, Tess goes into the washroom and sits down and she's looking around at Keith's stuff that he's strewn about the bathroom. And there's an electric toothbrush sitting on the floor charging. And it just gives you this sense of like, this guy like is clearly like he's, he's thoughtful about it. Like his, his hygiene, he's got like, he cares about his teeth. He's, he's thought to bring his electric toothbrush and he's, he's charging it on the floor. Cause he's gotta, he's gotta charge it. Uh, you know, you know, even if he's gotta be charged on the floor, he needs that toothbrush. So it sort of like give, it puts you at ease that this guy's just like a kind of like a, a, a normal dude that just like, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's all in just like one quick shot of like an object on the, on the bathroom floor. So it's just like, Kudos to uh, the writer director for uh, paying attention to and and uh, introducing those tiny little details because they were great. Yeah, yeah they, they those, it those are throughout. Yeah, uh, you get you get a real good sense for Keith and Tess as characters in the first part. And I I know I gave a special shout out to Bill Skarsgård. I, I should also shout out Georgina Campbell. Excellent in this film, like right right through, absolutely fantastic. Speaking of uh, the the cast, then, uh, why don't we go into some of the details here? Uh, of course, written and directed by Zach Kreger of The Whitest Kids You Know fame. Uh, it's a very interesting sketch comedy group. Um, they're, yeah, they're a whole, we don't have time to get into that, those guys, but uh, Zach Kreger, uh, Georgina Campbell as Tess, Bill Skarsgård as Keith, Justin Long as AJ, um, Matthew Patrick Davis as the mother and Richard Brake as Frank. I really, it's a, as far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's a, well, that's not true. I was going to say it's a three hander, but there's also the, the fellow at the end and yeah. Yeah. And the homeless guy. Yeah. There's, there's, it's a pretty tight cast though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why don't we just pop into the trailer summary so we can really sink our teeth into the rest of it. Cause as we alluded to, uh, we don't stay, uh, with, uh, dear Keith for very long. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch.
Tensions run high when Tess discovers another tenant already in her Airbnb. This suspicious man quickly becomes the least of her concerns as the two discover a secret room with a camera, a bed, and a bucket in it, connected to a network of mysterious dark tunnels beneath the house. Just as they discover what strange creature is lurking in the basement, we smash cut to AJ, the terrible but charming celebrity creep who owns the property. The suspense begins to wind up all over again. Yeah, I think that's the the most inspired part of uh, this movie is that, you know, that first bit is really its own little horror movie. uh, And then we get we are essentially introduced to this terrifying scenario that exists under the house. And then we are regardless of the character, AJ, um, the fact that he's, uh, you know, a rapist and a creep and, and a weird narcissistic celebrity, any character that would come in at this point in the movie it's different because now we've got dramatic irony where we know there's some sort of screaming banshee in the basement and this guy's just going to like dum dee dum dee dum wander in. It's a, it's just great utility of time. Cause I don't think like, I don't think if the movie had started with a person walking into the house, whether they're the owner or an Airbnb tenant going, golly, geez, I wonder what's in the basement. You could get a whole movie out of it. Whereas by doing it this way, you sort of like, it's like you get two for one. You get the tension of the, hey, there's a stranger in my house. Hey, what's in this basement? And then the second round of like, we know and AJ doesn't. It's brilliant. It's my favorite part of the movie was just that. And well, you get that smash cut. You get the hard cut into the Donovan song. Um, yeah. You also get a complete shift in perspective because as we already mentioned, the first act of the film is very much from Tess's perspective and her perspective as a woman in this scenario too. Which is why Keith is so off-putting, which is why the situation is so, like, uh, so creepy for her. Uh, when the homeless man is trying to chase after her and warn her, she interprets it as, like, hostility, as a threat. Um, and, and you can totally understand it. And, and it's very well, uh, done. And then we switch to AJ's perspective. And because he is a rich white guy, a rich, famous white guy, his attitude to the entire scenario is completely different. And and it's just so fascinating to see his perspective of the exact same setup yeah. from a completely different perspective. Yeah. Um, I think Specifically, I said their, their reaction to the secret room. Yeah. Uh, well, like, not just that. Like, it's Tess, Tess is constantly in a sense that she could be in danger and for aj he doesn't sense that he's in da- he's invincible <laughs> until the danger is right in his face right really, really yeah. ni- yeah. eye to nipple with danger he, it doesn't really sink in well i think it's so great because um tess goes through when she finds the secret room she goes through this whole uh rigmarole of like setting up a mirror and a light so that she can peer down the hallway to see what's there to check to see if there's any danger or whatever and then only like only after she's sort of seen that does she start to move her way down into the hallway and it's very much the same as how she began her relationship with with Keith where (laughs) she was investigating first and then slowly moving in AJ however uh, opens it up and then immediately starts 
<laughs> strolling down the hallway, measuring it for its uh, square footage <laughs> so that yeah. he could get more money for the house that he wants to sell. Uh, and, and what I love about the difference is that uh, Tess has a conversation uh, with Keith earlier on in the movie where she basically foreshadows that, telling... Yeah. Keith, you that you would have in. just barged right in, and that is exactly what AJ does. Who is who yeah. is the the predator that um, that Tess is afraid Keith is? So just like just a, a fantastic uh, writing, I think. Well, and it's it. it's worth noting Keith does do that as well. Like when she informs him about the basement, it's like we need to get out of here. There's something wrong with right. this house. Yeah. He's like, I, I, the man, need to go see it first. Yeah. and he means well, but he mm-hmm. does exactly what she said. He blunders yeah. right into danger. Yeah, yeah. That's in the, man. That's an interesting take of the like the gendered uh, approach to danger. Um, I hadn't really considered that because I, on a secondary watch, really took away that this is like we we spend a lot of time with. Uh, Keith, a good guy who has done nothing wrong and will do nothing wrong, but years of patriarchal bullshit has both Tess and us, the audience in her perspectives, hackles way up, just given the context, even though Keith is an angel and does nothing wrong. Uh, and then we get AJ, who is not an angel and has done something wrong, um, the worst kind of man, and then we escalate to the creep in the basement and seeing that like flashback to the early 80s. Um, getting the unhoused person's description of exactly what that guy did and what happened in that basement right near the end. And it really is kind of like a portrait of three types of like horrifying masculinity. Like the one we project because it's always, you know, kind of there because of these other two kind of creeps. Um, yeah. And then having AJ like face him directly being like you fucking creepy weirdo when it's like dude you're not any better um yeah i just i really took it as like even though so much of it is from tess's perspective i i really felt this movie was like three portraits of the ways men can be terrifying <clears throat> yeah and i like when when we get the the smash cut to uh frank's story who is the the um I guess the the full on rapist is that what we want to call him? Well, like the guy that like the complete monster. Um, yeah. we, we, the, we the titular we, barbarian, if if you will. yeah, sure, yeah. Mm. Um, when we cut to when we cut to him, um, we're uh in this sort of like idyllic uh neighborhood. Um, you know, every you no know, the you know, everything looks beautiful, pristine. That you know, the every blade of grass is cut just so. Um, and his and his town, the town that's surrounding him, I guess is Detroit, um, looks beautiful as well. Except that the choice of lens is this very wide uh, lens that gives you this great distortion around the edges. So we we're following Frank throughout the town. And we're getting this very unsettling view of him as we follow him into his car and stuff like that. And just like, it's just a wonderful uh, sequence that in that way. The aspect ratio switches too. It goes. To, I don't know if it's exactly yeah. four three, but it it yeah it's yeah. Yeah, I love the. I just love the contrast of that, like this idyllic view, and then this, and just like uh, the choice of lens making you feel really unsettled. Like you know immediately that this guy's no good just by the lens choice. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's, um, it's, pre- it's pretty good. Uh, uh, the, my, you know, I, I guess now is as good a time that, that any into to to dive into like maybe where the movie goes a little sideways. And I don't know, like it's it's funny after having having watched this a couple times that like I just didn't really feel the same. Um revulsion to the the climax as they did the first time but it's yeah that's interesting you say that because i had the same experience i was really soured on the last 10 minutes on the first watch and then this time i'm like okay no i kind of get it it's (laughs) awkward but i get why you did it that way yeah it just it does it does get into um a pretty schlocky zone uh for about the last 15 yeah 10 15 minutes and the first time I watched it, I felt like that was kind of disappointing because it up until that point, it had been um, such a like an excellent, you know, meditation on, you know, rape culture and, and sexual abuse and stuff like that. Like it was, you know, it's it seemed to be uh, well on its way to to delivering a, a fairly excellent message. And another mm-hmm. then that it necessarily doesn't. Um, in the end, but I, like, I just, I just didn't, I just didn't feel like it completely stuck the, stuck the landing, I, I, particularly when you get that silly jump scare, um, when the, uh, homeless guy who's just kind of giving us a little bit of a, an exposition dump when we get, um, the mother bursting through the concrete wall uh, and coming in to, to murder him. And just like, it just, it just felt like, um, the movie had lost its creep factor at that point. Um, yeah, cause I, like, I there's going to get you to describe what you meant by schlocky, but I think you just did there. Yeah. 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 It, it became a very tropey monster movie in the last, like in uh, just in the last leg of the movie. And like not it's even late, like, t- like less than 10 minutes. Like you're really, you got, and what, and my, my problem with it, and this is my fix. What I like, we're just going to get into is they already had it. Like, I'm like, you guys had it in the bag. The movie could have more or less ended either when, uh, she drives the car into the, 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 the mother, uh, and or saves, uh, AJ, maybe one of them, her or AJ gets shot. Could have ended there. Like it really could have, um, and then it's just they keep going, and I'm like, you guys are ruining it. Like, stop! You 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 did it. You don't have to. You, didn't you, stu- have to do you this. stuck the you landing. Why are you still going? Yeah. yeah, you had it. Don't push your luck. It's yeah, um, but but then upon second rewatch, some of the things that happened in that last ten mo- minutes, I'm like, oh, I see why you wanted to spend time to get these things done. You get a little bit of a, a remorseful moment from AJ and then a immediate abandonment of that. The second shit hits the fan, you do get the exposition dump from the unhoused guy. Um, But I just figure if you push all that, find a a more elegant way to put that 10 minutes earlier. Yeah. You could, you could end the movie with them escaping the house after ramming the, the mother into the, the, the side of the house. Yeah, because like AJ's kind of like having a crisis out loud. Mm-hmm. Like he literally he literally says out loud like I'm a am I a bad a bad person or a good person that did a bad thing. You can argue whether like maybe that's just a little too on the nose and whether um 
Uh, like I feel like I kind of got that implicitly that that yeah. that was sort of the conflict within him. Um, I didn't really need to be told that right out. Yeah, and I think it's also implied that yeah, there's just like multi generational incest happening, and hearing the the unhoused <laughs> guy explain it in no uncertain terms. Um, yeah. I think both of those things could have been done. Even if he did want to have his crisis of conscience out loud, he could have done it in front of the old guy in the basement. Like once he sees the videotapes, yeah. realizes he's like, oh man, I'm not any better than this creep. God damn it. Crisis yeah. of conscience. And he can have it out loud in the basement. He doesn't because you said it loses the creep factor. And the reason it loses the creep factor is because they leave the house. The confined, mm, yeah. dark spaces of the house are what make it creepy. Having this lady running around an abandoned neighborhood naked is not as creepy as her horrifying. lurking in the in the labyrinth under the house. The labyrinth of it all, yeah. The fact that there's cage holes, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because the movie trusts the audience to be very intelligent and f- and pick up what it, the the trail of breadcrumbs that it's leaving for us. Right up until the end, and then it shoves a whole loaf of bread in our mouth. <laughs> um, it 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 loses its faith in us right at the end, and it feels the need to kind of explain everything, and it feels the need to just turn into as as we said, just like a creature feature. When up until that point, that's not really what it was, and it is. It's a weird choice, and I think we all agree that it's a weird choice. It doesn't ruin the movie, but it, it could. I think Liam is right when he says it could have maybe been done more elegantly. Yeah, I mean, it did let me leave me questions about um, the Frank character. Um, like, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't know if you guys felt like you understood why he just up and shot himself because um, he'd been. It was he got caught. He was caught in the end. AJ came in and caught him, and he knew it was done at that point. So there was no point in carrying on. He took the easy way out because he's a coward. And the oh, second, the second he was caught, he killed himself. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'd kind of like my reading on it was that he was, he had kind of become a victim of the, uh, of the, the mother character. But I suppose, I mean, she was scared to go in that room and yep. she left him alone when he went in there. So maybe that's not, maybe that was just a, a poor reading on, on my part. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I I read it as uh as like the the final demonstration of how cowardly he is uh as as most people who like exert that kind of power fundamentally are they pick on people who are weaker than them and this and again the second it looked like he might be called to account for his actions he takes the easy way out because he's a coward yeah I, I like wonder if that was he a, a, maybe if he. Uh, he could have killed AJ. He had a loaded gun. He right. killed himself because he was like, oh, I'm caught. Like, I've had a good life. It's time for me to get out. And like, it's it's interesting because it also means that he effectively escapes justice. Like, he doesn't mm. get what he deserves at all, which is, again, just another poignant comment on the way that men like this get away with it. Right. He did yeah. for 40 plus years. He got away with it. And then he never had to account for his actions because he killed himself the second it looked like he might have to. The second he was challenged. Yeah, I, I, I buy that reading on it uh, for sure. Yeah, it's a, that makes sense. I'm glad I'm glad we had that conversation because that was, that was one of the things about um, 
the film that I had uh, not quite um, slotted into place. I helped you. <laughs> and it also sounds like we've we quit as soon as we started talking about the things we agreed were were weak we had fixes for them so i say uh we we even though we kind of did it a bit let's jump into our fixes here um i will be right back i'd like to get more reading done and joining a book club seems like a good idea but i don't know why not? Reading a whole book in a month, that's pretty daunting. What if it was just a chapter, say a week? That doesn't sound too bad. Still, getting together with a bunch of people, that's a whole evening. Well, what if it was only half an hour, whenever you wanted to? That would be great. The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. Join my wife, Anita. And my husband, Scott. As we take you on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. time. Available right now on your podcatcher of choice. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. Uh, we already figured out how to fix some of Barbarian, but, uh, you know, we can get really, like, just like the room, there's the creepy basement room with the, the camera bucket bedroom, and then there's the next set of staircases. So consider this uh, the next set of staircases uh, down into the labyrinth of fixing this film. I um, I want to, I want to just spitball something before, sure. just because there's there's one thing that, weighs on me about this movie and that is the fact that i like keith (laughs) um i like him i like him quite a bit and i feel like he and tess don't really get a resolution to the dynamic that they have earlier on and i get the decision to kill him and i get the uh the motivation why you kill him but i'm wondering is there a version of this movie where keith could have survived to the end and I'm kind of I'm just going to pitch that out to the two of you. This is this is not so much a fix as it is just speculation. Is sure. there a version of this movie where Keith could have survived to the end? Like I, I, my in my I, mind, it, Tess has to rescue him. Like my feeling, yeah. if that was if that was the way that you're going, then then ultimately Keith would end up being the monster, the true monster of the film. If you know what I mean, eh, like. I don't he has to be i think i think it it would be interesting if you're if you're playing with the the gender dynamic um he gets him he blunders into danger and tess has to rescue him like that's kind of the direction i I think it could go i guess your question you say what if keith lives and the way greg phrased his i'm like sorry did you assume scott meant uh keith lives and then escapes because i assumed keith lives and ends up in the nipple hole with the rest of them yeah (laughs) like he's in the nipple hole that's that's what i'm thinking Uh, no i i was just playing out a scenario my that in a that in my head about what i was expecting the movie to be when i initially seen it like fair enough when i that initial scene is playing out i figured i figured what was going to happen was that we would get this sort of like slow realization that like actually keith is is a bad guy um and she's trapped in an airbnb she's trust yeah yeah yeah, and yeah and, and you know suddenly we go down to the basement we realize that like oh he's been up to way more and like in in like I could see a movie being played out that way, but I'm not necessarily convinced that that would be ultimately the the most interesting. I I think what the problem with keeping him alive is, is that um, this movie reminds me of Get Out in a little bit in some ways because it never lets uh, the white male off the hook. Yeah. Like you're that you're always stuck dealing with. Um, the 
what I want to say here. The power the consequences, dy- the consequences of, of the power, the power dynamics, and all that kind of yeah. stuff, like the inherent misogyny of of society that's sort of like baked in, right? So, yeah. like you know, as 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 white males ourselves, like we have to learn to deal with the fact that like that's an ever present present force that we have to mm-hmm. keep. We have to do our part to fight against, and I think that's kind of what the movie is trying to communicate. Yeah. It's like you don't get to get, don't get, get off pass. the hook. You don't yeah. get the nice guy. the the, the nice <laughs> The nice guy, uh, you know, they usually get their head cracked open <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. No. And I, again, I I understand <laughs> from from a from a narrative and structural standpoint why he's doomed. I'm just, I was just as an exercise yeah, wondering is, if there's, if there's like a way we could have saved Keith. Yeah. Cause he is, he is great. He's quite, quite charming. Well, and um, partly yeah, just cause I wanted to see more Bill Skarsgård. So, yeah. <laughs> or if that would have maybe given a, 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 could have changed up the dynamic of, um, AJ encountering Frank at the end is like, if, if, um, Keith is in the mix somehow in that, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. Yeah. Anyway, um, but that's that's pure wild, like completely structurally changing the movie, and it's not necessarily a flaw with the movie. Let's let's actually talk about fixes. <laughs> okay, I have I have one that is genuine. Other than my main one was like the last ten minutes is awkward. I wonder if you can have the uh, crisis of conscience and the exposition dump earlier in the movie, and more or less it ends when she hits the wall of the house and they escape, and someone maybe gets shot. That there's your ending, in my opinion. That's my main fix. Mm-hmm. But we covered that in the first half. So uh, the other one is, who is Marcus? Why is him calling her and her hanging up on him twice relevant? It's she discusses, never paid off again. It it does because it uh, it ties into a conversation she has with Keith. Uh, Marcus is a terrible toxic relationship she's getting out of. Oh right, right. And and Keith discusses how like that's. She does need to. And he's he's like, hey, good for you getting out of that. Um, it's a way to soften him to her. It's a way to explain why her guard is so up right from the beginning of the movie. Um, so there is there is a functional reason why Marcus is there. You're yes, right. It doesn't really get I'm, a huge payoff, but that's fair. But there's a reason. I'm also realizing I like was thinking about, I'm like, man, the Marcus thing never came back up and then didn't check my own. Like since watching the movie and recording this, I somehow convinced myself (laughs) that that was never paid off. And as soon as you said that, I was like, wow, that's a really stupid comment. Uh, So great. Uh, Great. No notes then. Uh, (laughs) I have, I have uh, one other um, that again, I think contributes to how weird the, the final 10 minutes is. Um, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief that years of incestuous inbreeding creates this sort of super strong barbarian woman. I'm okay not asking questions like, what does she eat and how does she get so big and strong living in a dirty basement eating nothing? I'm I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for that. But I lose it when she's so strong she can like break through concrete and rip a man's arm off. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, th- like a, a very strong person who is uh, feral and chaotic. Yes, a superhuman person in a movie that's been so grounded up until the very end. Uh, I really had a hard time, you know, yeah. uh, suspending yeah. my disbelief. We well, have we have I- the royals. We know exactly what. 
inbreeding leads to. It's, yeah. it's not a mystery. <laughs> the the thing. Okay, well, first of all, she goes out at night, so we can yeah. assume that she's hunting and she's yeah. scrounging in garbage, and she's she's getting enough to sustain herself. I a hundred percent agree that she shouldn't be like a monster. She shouldn't be just like a weird movie monster yeah ripping um, people's arms off surviving yeah. a getting hit by a car and then also surviving falling off a water tower i honestly think that she should have died when she was hit by the car agreed like i don't think she should jump scare back to life at that point i think that the car hitting her should be the end of her i'm not certain if that's necessarily like her being hit by the car should happen at that point in the movie. If you want to do more with AJ and you want him to get his comeuppance. But Mm -hmm. I think when she got hit by the car, that should have been the end of her. I I think the other thing too, is like the, you know, the exiting the house is a good metaphor for a struggle because like, that's where all of her conflict and uh, intention is. So like the, like, and, and throughout most of the movie, like whenever she's outside of the house, she's, more or less safe like when she's gone to the interview or whatever the only time that um that that's broken is when the the homeless guy comes in and and uh uh, was screaming at her um to you know trying to warn her about the house in the most you know ridiculous way possible (laughs) it would clearly (laughs) just make someone run away um but yeah I, i like it i like it her exiting is sort of being the true resolution to the movie yeah and while I recognize that the the mother character uh, runs around the neighborhood hunting and foraging, the act of her coming out of that basement window and into the into the light is when she dies. Thematically, I think makes sense that like she's tied to the house, mm-hmm. yeah. so if she I, leaves I the agree. house, she should die. Like yeah. within the context of the film, hundred percent, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now the question is, how does that change the ending? Like that means AJ has to has to get his comeuppance before she well, my, gets out. Yeah, my, my and I'm actually yeah, the I'm still thing I think is maybe the gun changing hands. Like maybe the 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 you know she like maybe she accidentally shoots him instead of the other way around, or maybe Keith's still alive. I'm I think I think the mother needs to still axe AJ. I think maybe he just yeah. dies in the tunnels. Then he has his realization, but then he goes to sacrifice Tess in the tunnels to save himself. Yeah, and, I think like he could still there. it could still play out somewhat similar to what happens on the water tower where he he tries to help her and then ultimately gives oh, yeah. her up because you could just have you could have him try tunnels. and save her after shooting her. And yeah. convinced himself, like, I'm going to save you. And then when they begin to get chased again, he once again uses her as bait to to save himself kind of thing. So that that it plays out sort of similarly to how that water t- tower scene. Yeah. Plays. And yeah. the reason why I, I don't think Tess should be the one to kill him is because I don't think that that's thematically where the movie is going. AJ mm-hmm. needs to needs to pay for his crimes, but... Tess isn't the person who needs to do that to him. Yeah, I think that's, that's um, and that and that that puts a bit of a stain on on Tess's character in that sense. Um, I kind of like the idea of the unhoused guy helping save her in the end too, because mm-hmm. the cops don't. 
very pointedly, the cops are are the opposite of helpful. Mm-hmm. And so the the homeless guy who knows the neighborhood helping pull her out at the end. Yeah, I think that I think that's still good. I hundred percent keep that. Yeah. And maybe that's and like that, the finale. That's where the credits roll. Yeah, maybe that's the ending. Yeah, the only trouble with that is that because, and maybe this is why it's written the way it is, that he, you know, in order to get um, the exposition dump about who the mother character is and what happened between her and the the uh, the Frank character, yeah. you know, you you have to have some place for them to have a quiet like sit down and and think. So those are the three. I guess then there are three things that happen in the water tower that are that need to just get moved back into the house and that's aj's revelation that he might be a bad person and then it's aj's immediate abandoning of that and throwing tess under the bus and it's the exposition dump from the unhoused guy um i think you can move that all in into the house and before she gets hit by the the vehicle because uh, they are like like I, I don't want to necessarily see it, but I wonder if all the stuff you can communicate about Frank's crimes could be done by just a little bit more of the showing of like what it is AJ sees or like maybe AJ's like you did that. Yeah, I don't think for, I don't yeah. think we need to see it. I think pointedly we don't, no. we don't need to see it. But I but think like AJ, AJ can surmise yeah. what he's learned. Put put some of that explanation into AJ's mouth instead of into the unhoused guy's mouth and have him relay that to Tess in a quiet moment before they have their climactic showdown with the mother. AJ throws Tess under the bus again. Um, thinks he gets the one up on the mother and then goes to like help Tess. And then the mother pops up and kills him. Tess uses that opportunity to escape to the window where the unhoused guy helps her out. The mother tries to follow them out and she gets in her car and runs into her and uh, effectively killing the mother and in a way destroying the house as well, destroying the house as a death trap and roll credits. There you go. We kind of we kind of fixed the the messy ending. Yeah, I, I don't really know that I have much other way of uh, notes other than yeah the uh, Greg. <laughs> no, I I think it's uh, I think it's pretty good. I think that's pretty decent. Um, maybe the only thing I was thinking that could be uh, an issue is like uh, you don't necessarily in the context of this film want to give. Um, a, a man like a hero moment. I, I think that was kind of particularly what they were trying to avoid. But he uh, he does get the exact same hero mo- moment in the movie when he helps her out of the basement the first time. And in oh, this case, he's not he's not saving the day because the mother still comes out after them. Maybe she injures the 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 unhoused guy. Tess still has to resolve the the conflict herself, and that's when she drives her. Yeah, car so, yeah I guess I'm misremembering. I didn't remember him pulling her out of the. Uh, out of the when she broke the glass to get out. Yeah, she breaks the glass and she's trying to scramble out, and he reaches mm-hmm. in and pulls her. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, yeah that's and you, fine. You keep you effectively keep that moment, and then you put him immediately in danger so that she has to be the one to resolve the conflict. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, technically, yep. you're you might be comp- when he helps her pull it out. It's that's before the cops come. Him him helping her, um, get out of the broken. Window. Oh yeah. Is I hadn't considered the cops that. come because remember the cops are like only crime I see here is you broke a window, um, so yeah he he could still be there at the end like he could 
maybe he's driving the cars. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of gone off the rails a bit, but um, I think the point stands that, that yeah, whether, whether he's at the window or not is not really the point. Yeah. And you can still have the scene with the cops earlier on and they can be oh, yeah. just as unhelpful. So yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, excellent. Well, we also have some great listener comments. Thank you to everyone who contributed. Please keep your eye on our social media feed. When we solicit them, give us your little comments. We appreciate the extra perspective. Robin Taylor says, I find this to be an odd choice. This, along with a handful of other movies in the last year, got me excited about film for the first time in a while. This movie builds suspense and zigs when you expect it to zag so much that it keeps me guessing how it's going to go. It has a million things to say about male-female interactions, hashtag me too, and white flight. I thought it was great and wish I had seen it with an audience. You know, every now and then, a movie comes along onto our podcast that isn't really a bad movie, and we're surprised by that. Interstellar, for example, Tenet. <laughs> we all quite like Tenet. We still Speed did Racer. that one. Uh, yeah. And this is just another one of those. Cause you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch a good movie. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I mean, the same thing happens with bad ones too, where like where our sweet spot really is kind of like middling, yeah. you know, stuff with fl- like good bones, but some flaws. And sometimes we watch unsalvageable garbage and other times we watch stuff that's like pretty great. That's like so. 98% of the way there. And this is an example too, of a movie that we all agree is really good, but we could yeah. still see where the, like the screws could be tightened up just a little bit. Yeah. Or yeah. if nothing else, we'll speculate about like, what if a uh, whole character, what if a whole character didn't yeah. die? Yeah. Didn't yeah. die. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think there's, I mean, there's no film that exists that isn't above, you know, t- examining in Repeat. some way, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, that's, I, that's the fun of it. Right. And like, so even, even if we want to take a look at maybe a, a movie that, uh, that is pretty successful in its own right, um, it's still fun to take a look and see, uh, if there's any way to, um, zig or zag as Robin put it. Mm-hmm. But so hopefully we have put that to bed and no one else here is surprised <laughs> by what uh, movie we picked for this episode. Robin Slack says, Blasphemy, what are you rewriting next? Citizen Kane, Casablanca, the one where the train comes right at the screen? Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Some people were very surprised we picked this one. Uh, seriously, uh, though, this... <clears throat> sorry? Oh, I was going to say, Citizen Kane is overrated, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robin continues, seriously, seriously, though, perfect flick. Absolutely loved it. I can't remotely fathom improving upon it. I can definitely understand not digging what it's doing, but it absolutely accomplishes what it sets out to achieve in the best way possible. Y'all have your work cut out for you. Um, yeah, I mean, we spent most of the first half uh, fawning over it uh, and trying to get people to sign up for our Patreon. Uh, so, <laughs> um, it, it definitely was uh, uh, not not much to notarize on this one. That is fair. Herman from the Modern Manhood podcast says, flawed? I don't know about that. Uh, Greg, in the copy where you solicited yeah, the yeah. things, did you happen to mention it? Call it flawed? That's I did call mistake. it flawed. That's why all the <laughs> came out to defend it. Uh, <laughs> flawed? I don't know about that. I don't know what I would change about the story. Make the neighborhood less scary? I don't know. Maybe that character that helps them, maybe he shouldn't die so quickly. But it was a fun death. I don't know. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> Herman says I don't know a couple times in this and I like it I don't know it's pretty damn good and an interesting movie and agree with Robin that it's set exactly what it's supposed to do set out to do exactly what it's supposed to do 
Yeah, I don't know that the neighborhood should be less scary. I think that's part of the point, is that it was this idyllic neighborhood that had this rot in the middle of it. And mm. in the modern day, like, it's expressed itself. Like, that yeah. that terrible that terrible cancer that was at the middle of this neighborhood has, like, just spread across the whole thing. And now it's just visibly a terrible place. And ironically, yeah. the one place that's at the heart of it is still the one place that looks nice. Yeah. I also like the, the you see it at night and then she comes out in the day and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it actually is as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a fun, a fun edit. I, I, I did in, enjoy, like, how um, the environment uh, played against, you know, trust in this movie. Like, you know, there's like, I was watching that half in the bag review of, of Barbarian and they kind of, they kind of put me onto this where like ostensibly the whole the whole film is about is about trust and specifically like women's level of trust in in men and like even though a lot of the environments um that the women are in this movie are interacting with men are sort of like not particularly scary environments like the context around uh, that environment is so different that like their level of trust changes greatly. Like, like, you know, Keith's just being in this Airbnb when she's supposed to be, to be there changes the entire con, uh, uh, context of, of trust there. When the Frank character goes to the, uh, sh- uh, grocery store to pick up like diapers and stuff like that, like that, context is just like a very you know even though he's kind of like this tall lanky kind of creepy dude doesn't matter because the, the the environment and context that they're they're interacting with makes her implicitly trust them and she's helping him out right stuff mm-hmm. like that like really I, I i loved how the the movie really played with uh with trust almost like completely throughout the the movie and, and it's a really uh, another another excellent theme mm-hmm. agreed and our uh, final comment at Dima says, it's perfect, no notes. Thanks, Dima. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, that was Barbarian for this week. Thanks, guys. Give an excuse to watch that one again. Um, see the see the nipple scene. I that's one of that's one of those memorable movie scenes that I'm just gonna like periodically think about. <laughs> <laughs> just like be calm and just take the milk. It was just it was very it, it was my favorite scene the first time I watched it. My favorite scene again. Um, that that ten that tension. Um, yeah. Anyway, you can follow us on social media uh, at I have some notes on Twitter at I have some notes pod on Instagram, Facebook.com slash I have some notes, or starting now, you can join our Discord <laughs> server. Check out all of the links uh, uh, or all of the uh, platforms I just mentioned. We will post the link to join the Discord server. Hope to see you there. I also hope you rate, review, uh, or whatever, subscribe on your podcatcher. Uh, really does help us out. Yeah, and if you want to continue to support this fine programming and other programming like it, you can go right now to patreon.com slash I have some notes. And uh, any amount that you could donate, which is the only amount that you can donate, would be very helpful. <laughs> And hey, do you remember that movie where Matt Damon ran around in a mech suit and Jodie Foster was a fascist space CEO? Uh, that movie was called Elysium, and we'll be giving that the notes in two weeks. Until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. 
I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the sky!